0: Hello and welcome to the HPP Podcast. This is your host, Arden Castle. The new PhotoVoice issue is upon us, and we have a bunch of episodes exploring this special issue, guest hosted by Dr. Bob Strack and Dr. Robin Evans-Agnew. We will be back to our full range of HPP topics on April 20th, so that's seven weeks jam-packed with PhotoVoice explorations, so please enjoy.
1: (laughs) Hello
2: and welcome to the second series of Exploring PhotoVoice, the Journal of Health Promotion Practices special series of podcasts on people, power and photovoice voice, the little method that could change the world. My name is Robin Evans Agnew. I'm joined here with co-editor Bob Strack to introduce a conversation with some of the authors of our March 2022 special issue, Totally Focused on PhotoVoice. For those of you new to the method, it's a participatory visual method where participants take and discuss photos on health promotion issues relevant to their lives and then act to change them through raising awareness, mitigation of the problems or transformation of the policies that oppress. As a companion to the special issue, we wanted to introduce you to some of the ideas and people inside this special issue. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited today because this is like a hub core part of our special issue with a brief opportunity to chat about their experiences with the method, the people they work with, and their thoughts about the roots and the frontiers of application for changing the world. And now it's time for you to meet my amazing co-editor, immortal Bob Strack, who will be introducing our guests.
0: Thanks, Rob. And I'm with you. I mean, it's be an interesting conversation because I know our audience, I know our co-authors here. So with us today is Michael Mussin-Arsini. He's an evaluation scientist, has been practicing with me actually on in doing evaluation work and photo voice work for more than 20 years. Has a lot of an experience with photo voice and I'm excited to have him with us. We also have Chris Seitz, who's assistant professor of public health at Appalachian State University in Boone, North Carolina. I also know Chris from being out of our program here at UNC Greensboro. So while I know both of these folks, the paper they worked on is something that I was not involved with, so I'm excited to talk about what they were trying to accomplish with reviewing the field and trying to see where we've been and where we need to go.
2: That's true, and I have to say one of Chris's specialties has been working inside universities with students using PhotoVoice, and, and I'd heard about Chris's work before because of the work on tobacco and some of the work he's done with students on tobacco, so I was totally excited to be part of this podcast too. So tell us a little bit about why you wanted to write this review of reviews. What the heck is a review of reviews to start off with for our listening audience? What is that?
1: I came across a review of reviews. I forget what topic I had been researching, but I saw it in the literature. It's basically a literature review that summarizes a bunch of literature reviews on a certain topic. And so the first time I had actually read a couple of literature reviews on PhotoVoice, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. I read the Hergenrathers. Yeah, Hergenrathers. A fantastic
2: it. review of PhotoVoice, mm-hmm.
1: yes. Off yeah, top. I read that one and the Catalani and Minkler 2010 review. That World
2: review. by Storm, that one when it came out, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that was, that was great. And then as I started to do PhotoVoice projects and writing up the studies, every time I would refresh myself in the literature, I'd find another review and another review. And I started to notice they were all saying the same thing about challenges that people have when they try to implement Photo Voice. So after I came across this review of reviews, I thought that would be really good for all of the literature reviews I've seen about Photo Voice and the challenges of Photo Voice. There could be like a single source that could sort of summarize all of those limitations just in one spot. So that's how I got interested in that.
2: I'd never heard of a review of reviews, but I will say that in the last five years, I have seen more reviews come out on PhotoVoice. what I thought was unique about this offering, Bob, and our special issue was, it's a review of all of those reviews. Uh, so it's your one-stop shopping for really kind of summarizing some of the problems with PhotoVoice. And seen you kind of come at this with having watched PhotoVoice over this like huge, two decades worth of work, right? In terms of looking at it. So you have this background and you come in to help write this paper and to sort of shape this,
3: where's the field going with PhotoVoice? Yeah, well, you know, my background being in evaluation and having worked with Bob for about 15 to 20 years, right? I've been involved in measurement and evaluation of photo voice projects, done some work with Chris, right? It helped pilot testing some critical consciousness instrument that Bob and I have been working on. And so it seems natural to me. You know, because of my background, it seems natural to me to be measuring all aspects of a photo voice project. But we weren't seeing that in the literature. There's a lot of published articles. You know, we did a photo voice project. And then if they even get to an exhibit, the writing stops there. And then I see opportunities for evaluation all throughout the process. Like, for example, we're training participants. Well, where's the training evaluation? a lot of photo voice projects involved multiple sites where are the fidelity measures and then of course then we've got the outcomes within the participants themselves i mean there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that participating in a photo voice project enhances the lives of the participants empowers maybe empowers them to attend to issues of community health in their communities and We saw a lack of that story being told. We know it's happening, but it's not appearing in the literature. So this was our way of kind of calling attention to that thing. It's sort of like you begin
2: to sort of unpack everything in photovoice that is going on inside the method and you're beginning to look at it. So you highlighted several persistent problems with photovoice. Can you summarize them for us, Chris, in a nutshell? You were one of our biggest critics in terms of looking at things and really going, is this photo voice? Is this not photo voice? So maybe you can, in a nutshell, tell us what are those persistent problems with photo voice as a method?
0: I think
1: Musim touched on it for sure. I think the biggest problem, and I think, Bob, I think you might agree on this, is doing all of the steps that Wang recommends in all of her early papers about what is photo voice, except for that last piece, which is a photo exhibit and talking to decision-makers. So it's, it's one of those three core things that make up photo voice. So the articles that stop shot of just having group discussions, or even just they just have one-on-one discussions with the researcher about their photos, but they don't have an exhibit to try and see change happen. I think that's the biggest problem. Mm-hmm.
3: Related to the lack of adherence to the method is the fact that the reviews noted that a lot of photo voice articles did not have lots of discussion about engaging participants in all aspects of the project. And if we think of Caroline's article from, Oh, was it nine? I think it was the 1999 article where there were nine steps outlined to PhotoVoice, Every one of those steps involved participants, except the first one. The first step was recruit a target audience of policymakers. But that was like the only preliminary step. And every other step, including, of course, the exhibit and data analysis, engaged the participants. And the reviews noted a lot of photovoice projects not engaging with participants at various times during the process. Some of them didn't even talk about training. So we're not sure if like this is not happening, but it's not being discussed in publications.
0: Yeah, I think you're hitting on some of the things that the people in this call, the people in this room, we've been doing photo voice. We've had our own experiences and we know how hard certain things are to do. We've also recognized things we'd like to measure better, making decisions about what are the most important things to measure. So having this opportunity to not only look at all these reviews, but to summarize those reviews kind of justifies or solidifies the things that we recognize as some of the challenges and some of the difficulties. I think, Masine, you're right. In terms of, and Chris, you're right about what is the method and what constitutes a photovoice process, and some of what you look at, like Catalani-Minkler's review, you know, they hit heavy on participation as being an important part of the process, and they also saw that where participation was effective, the outcomes were different. And so, just from that one review was an example, but then when that's repeated in other reviews, and you summarize those findings across reviews, we begin to get a little bit of a picture that this is not a unique phenomenon that. These are some of the realities that we have to face. I don't want the listener also to think that all PhotoVoice projects don't do everything. There's a lot of good PhotoVoice work being done and there's good outcomes happening. I think all you two are calling for is that we do see these opportunities to do things better. Is that fair to say?
3: Yeah, I think limitation is the perfect word. I mean, we're all fans of PhotoVoice. We all believe in the power of the method to change the world, which is why we're here, right? We all care. In my perspective, part of the power of PhotoVoice is its spirit of participatory action research or community-based participatory research. And so without those aspects involved in a PhotoVoice project, I think we're limiting the impact we can have by not engaging participants. We're limiting the impact we can have by not doing evaluation. This bugs me all the time because that engagement
2: with participants it's like carolyn wong talks about you know working from with your heart right moving into this moment this sacred moment that you have with community to do community work but people like never took their researcher hat off and as soon as they've collected the information they go into this little cell with their little groups of students or whatever and they show them all the photos and what everybody talked about but the participants aren't even in the room anymore. That to me seems to be the most common problem with PhotoVoice projects is I get bored. I'm reading the paper, I'm all excited. And then the participants are not even included in the analysis of the data. They're just sort of like, oh no, we're we're gonna do this. We're the experts. And I'm like, they're the experts. They generated the data. They should have analyzed it. (laughs) Is it good enough just to go around the room and to use the showed questioning method and to go, well, that's good enough for participant analysis.
1: A couple of people expressed that they had frustration with showed just because of the way that it's worded. I know that I had some students who I like to use PhotoVoice in the classroom for class projects when it fits the learning objectives. Students who are like, wait, what is what, what does this part of you know showed mean exactly? So I've seen papers also use the acronym ORCID. Mm-hmm some just generated their own questions
2: but is just recording that discussion amongst participants enough for participatory analysis or how important is participatory analysis in the overall scope of things it seems like it's not just that moment there are umpteen different moments like eight inside the strategy described by wang where participation needs to happen which you're seeing sometimes lacking inside yeah
0: not just what's in this photo and here's my caption but You know, what are the most important things in our community? Who are the stakeholders that need to hear this? How do we theme and code these things? What venues do we put these images in front of these particular decision makers? All those decision points are opportunities and openings for participation of the effective audience community to be engaged in that. I think some of the critique that the reviewer reviews pointed out is just, do we have fidelity to that philosophy within PhotoVoice that participation is part and parcel and core of any particular endeavor.
3: And I'll add one more, engaging the participants in the evaluation at the end. I practice collaborative evaluation because I believe that engaging stakeholders in the design and conduct of an evaluation yields more actionable information and more valid findings. So I think maintaining that engagement with participants even post-exhibit is important.
2: It's phenomenal that that always becomes like the crux of the evaluation is that I'm not sure, Moussine, that a lot of people understand how to do collaborative evaluation. They don't understand that that's kind of like almost expected
3: within the process of a participatory action process. Right. It seems very much aligned with the spirit of participatory action research. Right. I mean, it's all based on the same epistemologies that, you know, knowledge is dispersed among the community. And so we should be hunting for homegrown knowledge, right? Homegrown knowledge about problems and then homegrown solutions. And so it surprises me that more people aren't applying the principles of collaborative evaluation to photo voice because it seems like a natural fit. So
2: where do we go from here? You kind of give some pointers in the paper towards sort of directions for the future. What's the biggie there for you, Chris, in terms of what people should be thinking about? They've done 15 minutes of listening to this. Give them your word of wisdom, Chris, in terms of what they should do for PhotoVoice. They're gonna to start tomorrow. What should they be doing differently or thinking
1: about differently? I would recommend reading Caroline's early papers, especially if there was one she wrote in 1999, Musine referenced it earlier. It's just a, a step-by-step kind of a how-to. I think that really defines the method and what to do. But actually me and Musine were emailing back and forth today the last step is to advocate for change, you know, talk to decision makers, but something that's not explicitly said is to wait and see what type of change happens or have another exhibit or go beyond the exhibit and keep advocating beyond just a single exhibit and then wait and see if change actually happens because a lot of people, like you said, want to just go write up the results right away and not wait to see like, did my or this project make a difference? So I would, to so those starting out in the method, I would say, read that early work and the step-by-step how to do this, but go one step further in terms of waiting to see if there's change, because that's really what people wanna read or see at the end of a project is, did it make a difference?
3: Yeah, one of the articles, she mentioned how an action plan may be a good result of a photo voice project. And I liked that idea because and oh, oh, post exhibit, right? Go all the way to the exhibit and now we have an action plan. And I liked that because that implied that the work wasn't done, right? I mean, an action plan, it feels like a verb, right? It's something that's not done yet. It's something that we still have to do. And so the last step of photo voice is planning the next step. And so I think it's consistent with Caroline's writings that we think of photo voice as not ending at the exhibit. We think of photo voice as ending when our advocacy efforts have been exhausted, maybe, or our advocacy efforts yield an outcome.
0: You know, Robin, listening to them talk about the method and talk about like some advice for someone taking this on, like your initial question is, someone's going to do this, give them some advice. And they each given have given advice based on both their experience with PhotoVoice, but also their reading of these reviews. It kind of strikes me, kind of playing into our other podcast, the discussion we had with Mikiko in Tokyo, but also with Caleb in their project in Philadelphia. And when you think about both of those descriptions of those PhotoVoice projects, one in Tokyo, one in Philadelphia, and they captured and did some of the things that Chris and Mussina are pointing out in the reviews they had heavy engagement and participation. They had ownership of the issue in those communities. And because of that, they had outcomes that they could demonstrate. And after you of those projects, there was energy to do more. And so they like it spawned new efforts, new projects. Why? Because they had the participation because they did measure outcomes. They did have changes. So all those elements were there and you could see the synergy occur in those two examples, which is also highlighted in their review of reviews. If you have these elements, great outcomes can happen. I think that's an interesting sort of observation that I think we
3: can talk about. And if we've engaged participants throughout the process, Bob, it's not all my responsibility as the researcher to continue these efforts, right? It's the community solution. And so it's the community advocacy. It's the Friarian ownership, right? Yeah, and so I'm more like coach, right? So we're not telling researchers that they have to become community activists. However, community activism,
2: (laughs) well, that's a separate conversation. Isn't (laughs) isn't this part of the challenge, right, with participatory action research? Because if it just sits inside an academic institution, they're good and done. And they look at PhotoVoice. People come into PhotoVoice, and they go through it, and they do the exhibit, and then they're done. They're usually doing it. I mean, the cynical side of me says a lot of students pick this up because they feel like, well, they like photographs and this seems like they can do this and they can do it in a certain time limit and they can be in and out of three or four meetings with whoever the participants are, they can collect the data and they can have their project done and they're done. And Chris, you're sort of doing that inside the teaching scenario, right? It's like 10 weeks or whatever the length of the semester is that you're there. But the long-time commitment that you need, Chris, to be able to wait, right? And listen to the community entails a longer term commitment than how photovoice is sometimes packaged for people to pick up and do
1: yeah that's why I like working with students who are not seniors ideally so we just did a project that finished I guess over a year ago but the project was over in a semester over you know we had our exhibit but then we kept doing more exhibits and then we uh, spoke to the town council and the Board of Directors of the local bus line, we were advocating for smoke-free bus stops. And that by the time the town council said all bus stops are now smoke-free, this project took over a year. Mm -hmm. So thankfully, I didn't have all seniors, and I still had a couple of students who were a part of this project way past that semester who were still interested in going to the town council meeting and speaking.
0: And they had already gotten their credit. They were doing it because they believed in the passion, right? They believed in the project because you've instilled that ownership and the agency is there, which right. is exactly what you want. Because I know of Chris's work in this area. I mean, he's a good example of someone who does exactly what we talk about. He's done a number of photo voice projects and he's been very purposeful about some of the outcomes of interests and has made things happen as a result. So he's modeled in many ways how you do a photo voice project, which is beyond just taking photos and talking about them, but actually having them result in something tangible, but that doesn't happen by accident, that happens by planning.
2: So there's two types of audiences, right? There's people who are new to photo voice that are gonna bump into this podcast and they go, okay, I'll, I'll listen to this. Maybe someone will have recommended that they listen to this. What's your advice to them, to the new practitioner? What's your advice? Aside from reading Caroline Wang and going through, is there, you know, Is there something from the heart here that people need to have in terms of their vision or their goals when they're going in here? What do you see is needed here for someone new to PhotoVoice?
1: I would say be open to your power in a way. So I always have my students name the project. And a couple of times the students named the project and I thought it was just silly. That's not quite on target of what we're doing, but it's not my project anymore, it's their project. And by naming it and voting on what they want to name it, or you know, it's their captions, I'm just there to help them. But they take ownership of it. They Google the decision makers on campus and who we need to go talk to and maybe I'll throw in ideas of this would be a good venue, but where do you want to hold it? You're gonna be putting your pictures up. You have to give up the power that you might want to hold on to. Like, oh, I had a good idea for the name for this project, but then the students wouldn't care about it as much. So. I would say be willing to give up some of the power of having total ownership of the project. I
2: like that. Orientation towards really being inside the moment when you have power, right? And seeing that you have that. And also trying to figure out how ownership and power relate to this and relate to the naming. Yeah, last project I did with a group of youth this summer, we did a logo it's so easy to do logos now, right? There's umpteen programs out there in the you know Google land. And so I said, well, we need a logo and we need a name and we're gonna put our values down here. And they just went with it and it created a whole new thing for them in terms of the ownership of the particular project. Musin, how about you? What's the advice for
3: the novice practitioner? Uh, don't let us non-novice practitioners ah, ah, uh, ah, ah, uh, scare you away. Come Um, on in. Yeah. Dip your feet in this water. It's a path of the heart, I believe. I mean, my first exposure to PhotoVoice was looking at a display of Caroline's photos at McGill's University in 2005. And that experience of those photos and captions, remains with me. I don't remember ever encountering the word photovoice. I don't remember reading the description of the project, which I'm sure was on the wall. But what I do remember is the power of those images. So even if we're only using photovoice to generate you know, qualitative data, I still think this method has power to create a we during that process. And will benefit the research and the practice. Love it. I can't resist because Bob, the great Bob
2: Strack is in the room too. So Bob, what's your advice for the new to photo voice person listening to this podcast?
0: Well, I mean, I think it's been said, but really you approach this work from the heart and some of it is knowing that sharing is where the growth comes, not only for the community, but for you. And so giving up that control, you gain so much more than you give. Mm-hmm. And in the process, you'll recognize data, insights, action that you would have not seen going into it. And so really, that's the first part. And you know, we've talked about the contribution of Caroline's introduction to the special issue, which I encourage everybody who's listening to this podcast to get the special issue and read. But when you read that, you'll hear Caroline's voice talk about the same things we're talking about here relative to how you enter this process and what you get out of it. But I think that going back to the review of reviews, I think there are things that the method can do better. I think it is the method that can change the world. But if we give it a little bit more attention or have a little bit more intentionality about how we design, how we execute, how we measure, and how we follow through on the thing, it'll be a little method that can change the world that much more effectively. And so I think the contribution's there. I just think this is a great contribution to the special issue to figure out where are we, where do we need to go?
2: I think that's it. Thank you, folks. Any last comments for the good of the order for this podcast?
1: Yeah, thanks for having
2: me. Uh, glad to be on the PhotoVoice team. Yeah, it was yes. fun. Excellent. Wonderful. Well, we're excited about this. I hope people check out and listen to your advice. Thank you. Thank you
0: both. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the HPP Podcast. If you enjoyed this content, let us know by tagging us or responding to our promotions on Twitter and LinkedIn. You can also find out more about the Health Promotion Practice Journal from Sage or Sophie's websites. All of these links can be found on the podcast website at anchor.fm forward slash health promotion practice. Take care and have a great day.